Hello all and welcome back to From the Front Row. I'm Emma Metter and I'm joined today by Steve Saunier. Today we are talking with two of our fantastic UIowa faculty, Kelly Rickman, an Associate Professor of Epidemiology, and Dr. Will Story, an Assistant Professor in the Community and Behavioral Health Department. We'll be discussing some of the exciting events on the horizon for their team, including the creation of a maternal and child health curriculum and a conference on rural maternal health. Welcome to the both of you. Thank you. Thanks, good to be here. Let's start off by talking about both of your backgrounds in these areas of maternal and child health. What started off your professional interest in this area and what continues to drive you to explore this field further? Sure. So um, I did my graduate work uh, looking at genetic and metabolic predictors of preterm birth. And um, that topic just really struck me as an area that was really under-researched at the time. And there was a lot that we didn't know about why women deliver early um, before 40 weeks of gestation. The effects could be really devastating to the families who have babies that end up in the neonatal intensive care unit for months, sometimes a year, up to a year um, in that first year of life. And so I became really passionate about working with families and trying to understand what triggers early labor and how we can help to prevent that. And then I myself experienced preterm birth with my twins when I delivered in 2010. They were born uh, six weeks too soon and spent about a month and a half in the neonatal intensive care unit at the University of Iowa. So I got a flip perspective, you know, from being a researcher studying this and working with families to now having that experience. I think that's really helped me continue to hone what I want to focus on and how I would like to use this research to help uh, those families prevent some of these adverse consequences. Yeah, and for, for me, I guess I'll go back to my MPH. Um, when, uh, when I got that from the University of Michigan, I started uh, with a focus on epidemiology and international health. I um, was really interested in infectious disease. I, I stayed actually a third year and added my health behavior and health ed education uh, component to my MPH. And again, like my, my interest was in, in maternal and child health, but the first job I got was with a nonprofit organization in West Michigan, and, and it was to provide technical support for a maternal and child health program. And so I quickly learned <laughs> all about uh, the, the benefits of maternal and child health. This program was based in Bangladesh. And it was, became very apparent to me that um, the health of women and children really led to vibrant communities. It was not just about ensuring that their lives were, uh, you know, were healthy and that uh, moms and kids weren't dying of preventable causes, but it really had an impact on the entire community. And a lot of the interventions that we were working on were extremely low cost and very effective. And so it, it, it just seemed like to me that wow, if I want to invest my career's work in something, it, it, it makes sense to work in maternal and child health. Um, so I, I continued with that, that uh, nonprofit for about five years, and then I went on to get my PhD and continued to explore how strengthening families and communities can improve healthcare access for, for women and children. Um, and I uh, have continued to do work around the world. Right now, I'm mostly focused in India and in Kenya, and then in Eastern Iowa, working with our African uh, refugee and immigrant populations. Um, so that work continues to, uh, around maternal and child health, continues to be 
a focus and uh, just yeah, really excited to have landed here at Iowa where I can develop that, that research and have the opportunity to teach in the field. And many congratulations on receiving this new grant funded by the HRSA to address the growing and urgent need for a well-trained and diverse maternal and child health workforce. As you both work towards configuring a new maternal and child health curriculum, what is the overarching goal and what do you hope the biggest takeaway for students will be? So um, the overarching goal, I think, of this program is to just really develop a robust curriculum in maternal child health for the college. You know, we have a, a Will's course on global maternal child health, but then really not many other courses that specifically delve into maternal child health issues. Um, and so we feel like there, that was a really big gap in the curriculum and that there are a lot of students that are interested in maternal child health. And so our goal is to really provide a life course approach to um, maternal and child health and provide a lot of opportunities for students to interact with public health practitioners that currently work at the Iowa Department of Public Health and some of our local county departments of public health. And we'll also have a lot of clinical speakers as well talking about their role in maternal and child health. So I think just for students, my, my takeaway would hopefully be that they would see um, how uh, diverse the field is, how many opportunities there are, how many um, areas there are to get engaged, and um, hope they, they come out with an appreciation for why this work is so important. And I'll, I'll just add to that, um, that in, in addition, we're really hoping to recruit a diverse student body too. So we're hoping that this program, the essence of it that Dr. Rickman just described, will also attract a lot of new uh, students from diverse backgrounds. And our hope is then by the end of this project, that will be uh, adding to a diverse workforce in public health related to maternal and child health throughout Iowa and the greater Midwest. We feel like we have uh, an area to contribute there. There's just not that many maternal and child health programs in, in the Midwest since we have the opportunity to train up public health students to, to address that gap, um, as well as aligning, you know, some of the student interests with research and practice opportunities throughout the state. You know, we're going to be training students up, certainly, but we want to provide those connections that hopefully will lead to internships and careers down the road. Um, so I think there's a lot of potential here. And it's excellent to hear about that. It does sound like it's an, a really exciting time to be part of this initiative because there are so much uh, resources, invested interest, and attention right on this area, especially with folks looking to get further into public health. It's becoming much more of a household term now. People are being more acquainted with it. And even from your both of your personal experiences coming into it, I feel like that's a very common thread in public health where I didn't know I was going to end up here, but then I ended up and wow, this has changed my career path and how much I've enjoyed it. One, one thread I want to follow along with is the, the idea of diversity and the recruitment concepts here too. At the recent Black Women's Maternal Health Conference here in Iowa, speakers noted that in Iowa specifically, Black women are six times more likely to pass away due to preventable pregnancy-related issues compared to white women. And we know that one of the critical issues on the horizon for maternal and child health is the need for policy champions to really translate this research and data into action. So will your students be able to recognize and address these significant disparities in reproductive care? 
That's a great question. And let me just first start by saying that that disparity that you quoted in, in Iowa is completely unacceptable. So it's, it, it is true that we are not, uh, we're not doing a good job at providing equitable care to all women in the state and particularly women of color. And so that certainly that is something that we will be talking about in our seminar this fall, as well as in the foundational course. That's a three credit hour course in the spring that follows on from the seminar. We'll be addressing these issues of not just disparities, but um, some of the, the social justice issues that surround the inequities in uh, maternal mortality and also in, in some of our child health indicators as well. So yes, we're, we're certainly going to address that. We're hoping by bringing in a variety and a, a, a diverse group of speakers into the seminar and also our foundational course that the students will get a, a range of, of different um, sort of perspectives on this. For example, you mentioned the, the Black Women's Maternal Health Conference, and one of the keynote speakers was Dr. Nalo Johnson um, at IDPH, and she'll be speaking on uh, policy and advocacy around MCH uh, in our seminar and hoping to, to build on that content in the following semester as well. So bringing practitioners in who can speak uh, to these issues, I think is going to be key. And like you said, uh, giving the opportunity to for students to engage with that material, to wrestle with it, to struggle with it, uh, to become uncomfortable, but then to wanna to make a change because I think that's gonna be uh, a, a big issue for Iowa and really around the United States, but we certainly have our work cut out for us here. Yeah, and I would just add that um, we're also very lucky to uh, be a part of another HRSA funded initiative, which is the State Maternal Innovation um, Health Project. And uh, this award, it was a, a collaboration between um, uh, the Obstetrics and Gynecology Department here at the University of Iowa and the Iowa Department of Public Health. And I serve as an investigator on that um, five-year award. We're starting year two in October. And as part of that, um, the mission for that grant is to address the uh, care uh, for rural women across Iowa because we know there's disparities um, in healthcare access and also address the statistic that you said with um, black women being at such a higher risk for maternal mortality uh, than their white counterparts. And so there are a lot of initiatives going on right now. Um, there's uh, some different campaigns like seatbelt safety campaigns and the warning signs for uh, postpartum hemorrhage and postpartum hypertension. I think that uh, that students in our courses and in this MCH curriculum will have opportunities to get involved in those types of initiatives. Going off of talking about all the significant disparities in reproductive care you just talked about that you have been working on Professor Story. I also see that you do significant work with refugee maternal and mental health. Will this be a core component or topic in the new curriculum? I think both uh, Dr. Rickman and I are excited to integrate our research into our teaching. I think we obviously do that already, but this certainly aligns with both of our, our research interests as well as uh, our teaching interests. So it'll certainly be a topic that, that comes up. We have so much packed into this curriculum. It probably could, you know, be a, a curriculum that could last a couple of years. Um, but we're going to touch on a number of topics and certainly my work with uh, African refugee and immigrant moms uh, here in Eastern Iowa will, will, will be brought up. Um, in fact, next week in the seminar, I hope to talk about some of my work with 
the Congolese Health Partnership uh, that was started about three years ago and how we're trying to address some of the disparities in access to care here in Eastern Iowa for, for our refugee and immigrant moms. And then also, yeah, you mentioned, alluded to the, the mental health uh, work that we're doing too, which is uh, also critical. We started that in the context of Iowa being a, a, a destination community, especially Eastern Iowa, for a lot of, of refugees, especially from Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and wanting to reach out to them to make sure that they had psychosocial support to adapt to a new, brand new culture, new language, new everything, um, in addition to um, sort of struggling through the experiences that they've had as a refugee. And then COVID hit. And then we had a derecho, <laughs> and the, the 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 stressors continue to uh, to sort of add on over time. And so that this project couldn't have been more timely. We were actually just getting ready to launch into a group-based mental health support intervention right when COVID hit. We moved to a remote support, so we we're able to still provide psychosocial support to refugees remotely through video uh, and phone. Um, and now we're starting to slowly move back into in-person, but one-on-one counseling. Um, and again, this is sort of lay counseling that's linguistically and culturally appropriate, providing that support. And we're excited that hopefully next year, it looks like that the state wants to sort of scale up this model of psychosocial support um, to, to be able to reach more refugees here in the state of Iowa. And again, I think it, the time is right. The time is now to be able to provide that kind of support. And then kind of following along in that thread of access to care, we know that there's an increasingly shrinking workforce, especially in Iowa. We've seen more than 30 labor and delivery units in critical access hospitals close. And our state has a lower number of obstetricians per capita compared to other areas. Do you expect there to be an increase in opportunities to recruit, retain, train midwives and other knowledgeable and experienced providers into these areas that so desperately need our assistance? That's a great question. So as part of the um, HRSA Maternal Innovation, State Maternal Innovation Program that I spoke about um, that's led by the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, there. Uh, they have um, several aims of the grant that are tackling that exact question. So we have been working on the workforce issue in developing um, residency program for a rural track and also developing, at least uh, starting the process of looking at developing training for a midwifery program here at the University of Iowa. I think that, you know, as the grant continues on, we'll get farther down that process. Um, I've spoken to the, the project leads on on those pieces of workforce development and I think there is a ton of synergy between the program that Will and I are starting here for maternal child health within the, within our college and what they're going to be starting to uh, train midwives and um, also train you know residents and and other doctors to do uh, to offer um, uh, obstetric care and so I think moving forward, we'll have a lot of opportunities to kind of cross-collaborate across these different domains. And let me, I'll just add this little aside, another sort of fun way that Dr. Rickman and my work intersect is as she's been working on this fantastic maternal health innovation grant uh, with the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I've recently been brought along with uh, Dr. Anjali Deshpande in epidemiology to help uh, provide some evaluation, process evaluation on that program um, and to look at how are some of those innovations that Dr. Rickman was just describing uh, going to be 
sort of sustained and scaled up across the state. So obviously we know that UIHC is sort of a unique health system with a lot of strengths. When we think about the other health systems throughout the state that may not have the same resources, um, just sort of making sure that we have the, the, the processes in place, the right stakeholders at the table to make decisions on how to make sure those, those programs are implemented statewide. And I think there's so much great potential and I think they're doing a, a great job and it's fun to be able to be involved in sort of talking to them and thinking about how to make sure this is a long lasting effort beyond the life of their grant. And tying into that conversation, Professor Rickman, you're also configuring a conference on rural maternal and mental health. Congratulations on your recent funding award. Could you tell us a little more on that, specifically how the conference hopes to increase community engagement and research on the topic? Yeah, so we're um, very uh, fortunate to receive this award and very excited about it. Uh, this is a partnership that I have with an investigator, uh, Dr. Karen Tab at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. And she also just received a PCORI award in very similar nature to mine. And so we, we now have what we call sister projects that we're working on together sort of with the same uh, end goal. Hers are going to be to produce some um, webinars and workshops in November around maternal mental health, particularly focusing on engaging stakeholders during COVID-19. And then mine will be bringing in um, the rural parts of both of our states, so Illinois and Iowa. And um, what we've been working on right now is just putting together resource guides for rural areas in how to access support, uh, so mom support groups, and also how to access uh, mental health support uh, after the birth of the child or during pregnancy. And um, our plan is to reach out to those stakeholders as we develop the conference and also tap into my group and her group. Both have community advisory boards where we have women in the community um, who are involved in helping really in every aspect of the decision as we move forward with the conference from what date to have it, what format to have it in, how we want to um, uh, market it, how we want to have the flyers look, everything like that. They participate um, in helping to inform those decisions and they share their experiences and their stories too. And so that really helps us to keep into perspective what our goal is for the conference is to be able to bridge that gap between stakeholders like clinicians um, and patients with their personal stories and having them be able to interact together and particularly in these rural areas. So I think that um, we're really excited about this initiative and uh, hope we have a good virtual conference. So I made the decision that it's going to be virtual. We were always planning on holding it in April and Maybe we'll be back in person in April. I really, 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 really hope so. Um, but there's a lot that goes into planning a conference and I wanna make sure that it's the best conference that it can be. So I wanted to commit to a platform that I can just get behind and start you know, working on. It's gotta be so energizing to be in this field right at this time and then getting to plan something so monumentous as this. So congratulations once again on this excellent opportunity to partner and put this on for folks. Thank you. One of our last questions we always ask folks is if you can briefly comment on what one thing that you thought you knew but were later wrong about. So Dr. Rickman and Dr. Story, if you want to comment on those ideas, whoever wants to go first. Sure, I, I can I can start. I had to think about this one. It, it's one of those things, like if you ask my kids, they tell you, well, there's a lot more than one thing <laughs> that you thought you knew that you didn't, and they'll prove me. Well, they'll prove themselves right pretty much on a daily basis. But I, 
like when thinking about it and sort of how it relates to this topic in particular, I thought it would maybe uh, just tell you a quick story about back to my uh, global health work in Kenya. Um, so last summer I had the opportunity to go uh, with a, a student, Abby Lee, to Western Kenya to do an exploratory project where we were going to investigate uh, some of the, the main sort of social cultural causes for early adolescent pregnancy. Uh, and when we went, uh, we were basically told, and this was sort of my assumption, so this is the part that I thought I knew, that a lot of this was because of early marriage, that uh, young women were getting married very early, maybe uh, 14, 15 years old, and as a result, were getting pregnant very early. Um, and and uh, obviously, at, at that early stage, it can be very dangerous for uh, a young woman, both for the fetus and for her health, um, and saw a lot of uh, obstetric uh, morbidity and mortality as a result. So it's something we wanted to address. Uh, we had got to work with one of the preeminent fistula hospitals, obstetric fistula hospitals in the region uh, in this project. And, uh, but we wanted to look at sort of the prevention side. Well, how do we prevent young girls from getting pregnant? So that's what I thought I knew. When we went and after we collected the data, we're just starting to, to look at it now. These young girls aren't married. Um, and that's not what we were told. And I think uh, it part, maybe part of it was culture but a lot of these young girls are initiating sexual intercourse at an earlier age uh, with other uh, men who are not married to them, who may be a little bit older, but still within their peer group. Um, and so this was sort of a, a finding that um, we thought was, was interesting and maybe a, a little bit surprising just based on what we had heard. And now we're working on designing an intervention to help uh, young women build negotiation skills to advocate for their own sexual health and sexual responsibility and decision-making, to work with those young women and their parents to talk about sex because they aren't uh, until they get pregnant and then they are asked to be, not be part of the family anymore. So it's obviously devastating for them, not only health-wise, but socially. We're thankful that we learned the lesson that we did of what's really happening and, and hope to be able to make an impact in, in, the, in the coming years. I also had a really hard time with this for a while, and I'm not sure if I, I came up with something directly in this vein, but I will say it was something that I found surprising. I'm, I'm not sure I had any preconceived notions going in, but I found it very surprising and actually reaffirming um, to how excited I am about this work. So I have a um, had a community advisory board I started in 2017, and you know, as what happens with all community advisory boards, you get lost, you know, over time. And now that we're re um, uh, energizing with these PCORI grants, and also uh, with my work with the HRSA Maternal uh, Innovation Grant, they're also starting a community advisory board to inform that work. And so I really just wanted one big board that we could use for all of these different projects that we're doing. And so. Uh, the members that had really stayed with me, they stayed, and then we put out an application to recruit new members, and I don't know, I figured like, you know, 10, 15 people might get excited about it. I didn't realize we would have 60 applications, and these applications, these women are all just really excited about the work. It wasn't one of those things where they want to come to say what their birth experience is and then leave it at that. They came to the table in the interviews um, that we did and also the, um, the applications, they came to the table not just with wanting to share their experience, but really wanting to make a difference, wanting to share that experience so it has some positive impact um, as we move forward. And they want to be at the table. Um, and I, I sort of 
in my heart knew that, but didn't quite recognize the enthusiasm behind that and the passion behind that until I've been doing these interviews and also reading the applications that they are excited about this work and they're ready to get to work. And even though this isn't their field, they're not a scientist or a, a researcher. They have all different jobs. They're taking care of kids. We're on Zoom calls while they're rocking a baby. I mean, all of that they want to be involved in this and they want to do that on their own time. And I just found that really heartening when sometimes all we read in the news is negative, negative, negative. And this was just really positive to me that people wanted to be involved in this. That's a really just a very excellent overarching uh, theme for both of your work is this, you know, looking for where the helpers are, you know, seeing what you can do to improve the field as it stands, getting the data, then figuring out, you know, here's where I got to pivot off to. And then, yeah, very much so seeing the empowerment of the, you know, maternal and child health community. It really is fantastic to get to talk to you both about these opportunities today. Uh, we are really glad that you were able to join on for our talk. And we're both excited to see how this program develops. And we wish you both the best in the upcoming years and in, in this conference up in April. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for my flyers and information and social media blast that I'll be calling on everybody that I know to help me um, disseminate. Thanks for having us. And uh, certainly hope to see a lot of the students, hopefully, who are listening to this join our MCH uh, courses, the seminars. They'll be offered every fall and spring. So if you missed it this fall, don't worry, there will be plenty of opportunities to get involved. And uh, I want to do a quick plug for our student interest group too. So we're just starting a maternal child health student interest group. We hope to have the kickoff meetings uh, over the next month. So in September, and then hoping that the students that want to get involved in that really make that their own and do a bunch of cool initiatives with that. And we have some support through the grant to help support those initiatives. So we're really excited to help see that kind of come to fruition. That's it for this week. You can find us on Facebook at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. We're on iTunes and Spotify as well as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Thank you to our guests, Dr. Kelly Rickman and Dr. Will Story. This episode of From the Front Row was hosted and written by Emma Metter and Steve Sanye. This episode was produced by Steve Sanye. If you have any questions for the hosts or our guests, you can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. See you next week and stay safe out there.